Well, good morning, church family. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Now, if you sang that hymn, if you, if you uh, recognize any, just raise your hands if you were raising. Oh, good, there were three of us. You just all dated yourselves. One of those great hymns, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Haven't sung it for years, but um, maybe uh, you will identify with it. Hopefully you know the truth of it. It's based on a passage that we're going to look at this morning where, catch this, Jesus himself says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. What an awesome friend that the one who rules the universe, the one who loves you with an eternal love, the one who is coming back to create a whole new creation says, Rick, you get to be my friend. I want to be your friend. Friendship. Uh, what a beautiful truth. And it's a particularly a beautiful truth because uh, he is the absolute best friend you could ever have. But catch this. He uh, not only wants to enjoy friendship with you, but he wants you to have rich and rewarding and joyful friendships in your life. Friendships with one another. We've been seeing since Easter Sunday. Remember when Jesus rose from the dead and he spoke a double shalom. And we've seen shalom means much more than just absent, you know, peace, absence of conflict. It means well-being, wholeness, blessing, goodness. And he, he uh, breathed shalom into our relationship with God and to our relationships with each other. And so what we want to do this morning is take a look at this fact that um, Jesus wants you to have rich and rewarding and meaningful friendships in your life on a horizontal. It's both vertical with God, but it's also on a horizontal. The, the, the two are never separated. They come together. And that's particularly important because um, many of us, uh, as statistics show, half of us uh, struggle at some level, experience at some level, loneliness. I did a deep dive in research this last week. Uh, it's called Google. <laughs> and I, I was just curious, um, how many people in North America or in, in the United States, how many people uh, experience loneliness? So I just typed in uh, that and, you know, don't believe everything you read on the internet, but it pointed me to government studies and, and educational studies that uh, showed that 46% of the population identify with loneliness at various levels. And it made me realize you can be in a marriage and you can feel lonely. You can be in a family and you can feel lonely. You can be in a workplace and you can feel lonely. And yet Jesus says, uh, I want to bring life to your relationships. I want to bring vitality to your friendships. I want them to be deep and meaningful connections in life. That's how he's designed us to live. So how do we do that? This morning I want us to look at this passage where Jesus reaches out to us and makes us his friends. And I want to see how his friendship, friendship with Jesus on a vertical level, uh, brings life into our relationships, into our friendships um, in, in so many different ways. So let's read this passage together. And let me just say from the beginning, uh, I believe we're going to look at several things in this passage that show how uh, Jesus will breathe life. He will bring life into your friendships. Uh, and as we read the scriptures and as we listen to the word this morning, I, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak into your life and bring to mind 
some resurrection, some relationships that might need some resurrecting. You know, we're coming out of this COVID, and if there was ever a, a reason for loneliness or social isolation, uh, God is in the process of, of revitalizing relationships in the church and families and friendships. And, and I believe the Holy Spirit will lay on your heart maybe just one relationship where you say, yeah, I, I, need, to, I need to bring Jesus' life into that relationship because that's what he wants to do. So let's read together from um, the passage in John chapter 15, where Jesus says this, and here's the foundation. I am the vine. It's an image Jesus is saying, I'm the life giver. I'm the life giver in all things. I'm the life giver in relationships. I'm the life giver in friendships because the life comes from the vine. You, you're the branches. When you're plugged into the life, then life flows into you and produces good things, produces fruitfulness. And uh, that's the image that is rooted in this relationship of friendship. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, if we're connected, you will bear much fruit. Good changes in your life in so many ways. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my followers, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, we're going to note, uh, this, is, this passage is kind of like a love sandwich. It starts with love. It's got love in the middle. It's got love at the end. But there are other things that packed into that sandwich as well. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Think about that. The eternal God who exists in three persons in fullness of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm bringing the love of God, the love of community and my relationships with the Father. I'm bringing it to earth to your family. And uh, for you to share in your relationships. As I have, so, uh, he says, uh, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Catch this. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He wants to bring his joy overflowing into our lives. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you, and here's the model. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends, to be self-giving your life, to give your life away for your friends, and Jesus did it ultimately in the cross. And then here's these beautiful words, you are my friends. <laughs> this is the, the Son of God reaching out and says, you followers at New Hope Kailua, you church family, you're my friends. And he says this, if you do what I command, I know, uh, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, second time, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, meaningful fruit, long-term fruit, eternal fruit. And, to, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. It ends again. Love one another. Let's notice uh, together six ways in this passage that Jesus wants to bring life out of our friendship with him into our friendship with each other, into our, from the vertical to the horizontal. The, the two are connected, but I want to see six ways in which Jesus wants you to walk through life with deep and connected and joyful relationships, beautiful friendships. That's something we all long for. All right, here's the first one. Jesus gives a deeper dimension to friendships. 
He brings spiritual life to friendships. Um, not just uh, normal human friendships, and, and yes, everybody's capable uh, of a friendship, but Jesus brings a spiritual life. He's the vine. He's the source of spiritual life flowing into our lives. And he brings that spiritual dimension that can make a huge difference in relationships. That's, by the way, why the scriptures tell us all, don't be unequally yoked in a marriage. Paul puts it that way. Don't marry someone with which you don't have this spiritual bond of Jesus. That's the image of unequally yoked. It's two animals, maybe a, a horse and an ox, that aren't matched and they're in the same harness and they chafe against each other. And they irritate each other. And behind that, God is saying, I want you to be in a marriage where you're sharing this deeper bond because Jesus brings a deeper bond in relationship than any other thing. And uh, that's why he wants the best for all of us in our marriages. Uh, we can enjoy uh, good friendships, and many of us know uh, good friendships with people that don't have faith in Jesus. But I would uh, suggest in my own experience in life is that the deepest, most meaningful, most rewarding friendships are where you have that spiritual life together. Now, I gotta show you a picture as I thought about some of my lifelong best friends. Uh, here's a picture, I found it on the internet. It's unbelievable, this is 1973. You see that handsome guy there? This is the University of Calgary Dinosaurs, college football team. And you might think that looks like Tom Brady. It's actually me, number 11. 17 years old, playing for the university, and what made me think of those friendships, I could tell you the name of everybody on that team, even though it's 50 years ago. Why? I have a good number of lifelong friends. If you've played athletics, and maybe you weren't an athlete, maybe you were on a service organization or some other thing, but, but I'll tell you, when you play sports, college sports, for, why did we have such deep bonds of friendship? Well, we trained together. It wasn't just going out and, you know, on a weekend and playing a game. We trained together year-round. We battled together. We got hammered together. I remember one game we got beaten up 76 to nothing. Then we other, other times we'd hammer somebody else and we'd have victories and we won some champ. We actually played in a national championship together. We lost, but we played in a national championship. So all of those things... Um, uh, sweating together and striving together and supporting each other, just being a me member of an athletic team, uh, forms some lifelong bonds. Now, I don't get back to Calgary very often, but when I do, some of these guys are like my lifelong buddies. And it isn't because of their Christian faith. I want to show you one picture of a guy who uh, is a lifelong buddy. This is, uh, his name's Wayne Harris. Wayne was a teammate of mine at University of Calgary. In fact, uh, in my final year, we were both linebackers. We played the same position, and he was coming in as a rookie in my senior year, and so it was my job to kind of help him coach him into the team. And uh, 50 years later, just a few years ago, uh, Wayne was appointed head coach of that football team. And he led them to a national championship, something that our team never got, but he led. And so when I got back to Calgary, I called him, hey, Wayne, let's have breakfast. And it was fun to catch. Uh, there's a bond there for life uh, just based on friendship. On but... It's not as deep as with people that share the faith with Jesus with me. So I've got another picture I want to show with you. This was another teammate, and some of you might recognize him because Richard has actually come to our church when he's here. Richard was a member of that team as well. We were football teammates. But he has faith in Jesus. And uh, he still lives in Calgary, but he's uh, come out to Hawaii, and he's actually got a Hawaiian shirt on because when he started, Rich teaches at a Christian, uni not at a uh, secular university, at, at Mount Royal University in Calgary. 
But when uh, we knew he was coming out here, Martha actually hired him at Pack Rim to teach at Pack Rim because he's a, he, he's a professor of psychology, but a man with faith in Jesus. When Rich and I get together, there's a whole greater dimension of, of friendship. We share Jesus together. We share our lives together, our faith together, what's going on in our families together. And there's just a deeper dimension of friendship because that's what Jesus brings. He brings a spiritual dimension to the relationship. And uh, that's the deepest level of friendship. So that's number one. And the question is with all of these is, do you include Jesus in your friendships? Maybe with believers, but maybe you have some Christian friends, but Jesus really never comes up in the conversation or the time together. And, um, and maybe the, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, take advantage of that friendship to share Jesus together. Prayer, uh, support, encouragement, uh, whatever uh, that takes, just support each other in, in your relationship in Jesus. And yes, your relationships outside of, of uh, with folks that, have, that, that are seekers yet, that haven't come to faith in Jesus. What an opportunity to bring Jesus and just share with them from your life um, how God has, has blessed you, how he's changing you, and, and the influence he's had in your life. But uh, Jesus brings that foundational element uh, of, of much deeper friendships, much deeper relationships because of that spiritual bond. That's number one. Number two is this. Jesus' joy overflows to his friends. Jesus' joy overflows to his friends. He says, I want my joy, the joy that is in him, the life giver, to uh, be in you and bring complete joy to you. He wants us to have joyful, rewarding, meaningful relationships uh, sourced in our relationship with him. And that's one thing he wants us to do to experience joy in our relationships. Now, let me share with you uh, uh, one of my friends, as I thought this last week, um, uh, a friend who um, brings great joy into my life and into Martha's life. She also happens to be a family member. Her name is Julin. She's the mom there, and uh, that's my granddaughter Ambrose, and they were photobombed by a turtle. Now, this was just uh, like three weeks ago. What happened was um, Julin and, and family members can be great friends. Um, Julin uh, came to Hawaii with uh, a couple of the grandkids. Steve wasn't able to come, but she, uh, she actually came and, and helped uh, deliver the, some boxes of this um, medical equipment that Martha and I had ordered. It's, it, it was shipped to Vancouver. They live in Vancouver, so it was, Steve figured out it was cheaper uh, for them to come and bring them as uh, cargo on the plane as their, their, um, their own boxes. And so we were blessed with just Julin and, and two of the grandchildren, and there was great joy in our lives. Um, now, Julin is a friend. The uh, relationship started years ago when uh, Julin was a student. Uh, I actually had her a student at Pack Rim Christian University. And then when she graduated, Martha hired her at Pack Rim as a registrar, and she was teaching Greek um, to the students there. And my eldest son, Steve, went down to audit Greek from Julin. That's how they met. They fell in love. This is how Julin became our friend uh, and our family member. They fell in love. They got married, and, and God blessed us with grandchildren. But apart, as a family member, she just brings great joy to Martha and me. So she uh, visited. She brought the, the grandkids, and uh, that one picture on the beach, there's another picture there uh, if we can pull it up. There she is with her baby and, um, and Ambrose and uh, Jude's not, We're just at Chinaman's hat. But just hanging out with Julin was a great source of joy for Martha and me. There's another picture there because there's Grandpa and Grandma on the beach holding baby Willow. And all of this is joy in our lives through a family member 
friendship. It's not to be taken lightly. I, I get it. Not every family uh, extended member, there's great joy, but uh, God can use those friendships to bring great joy into our lives. And that's certainly the case for uh, Martha and me. Julin has been a great source of joy as a daughter-in-law. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and then the, uh, I think there's one more picture there. She brings joy to the cousins. <laughs> the whole family is blessed by uh, her presence and, and uh, her kids. And so there's uh, Esther and Jude celebrating great joy at Lanakai Beach. And it's all sourced in this gift of friendship that Jesus gives us, even with family members. So um, question is, do you bring joy? Do you share joy in those friendships in your life? Yes, in your marriage and in your family and in your extended ones. Just allow your joy with Jesus to be poured into your life and then to overflow with others. It's a beautiful thing and God wants us to enjoy these, these deep connected relationships that are filled with joy, that are filled with spiritual life. There's a third thing that we need to learn from Jesus, friendship with Jesus that transfers into our relationships, makes for beautiful fr friendships. Catch this, Jesus takes initiative. It's a very important principle. He's the one who took initiative in the friendship. I think of Philippians 2, uh, where uh, it says that, that Jesus, even though he existed in the form of God, fully God, God the Son, with the Holy Spirit, with God the Father, in community, in love, in fullness, and Jesus looks over from heaven into earth, and he sees our lives in a mess, lost in sin, lost in hopeless, and he says, oh, too bad, the party's in heaven, but uh, no, he doesn't. He says, I'm going to take initiative. I'm going to leave heaven. I'm going to empty myself and become a man, but not just any man, not a nobleman, not an aristocrat. I'm going to become a servant. The son married into the life of a peasant girl, and not any, uh, just any servant, but a servant who's going to give his life for others. He's going to pour out his life for others and um, gives his life fully even to the point of death and not any, just any death, death on the cross. He pours himself out. He took initiative to come from heaven to earth and he did it out of love for you and for me. He took initiative to come into human history to, to what? To bring shalom to our lives with God and shalom to our lives with each other. And uh, he's the one who took initiative. And in this passage, Jesus says, I chose you. And it's a reminder that long before you were even thinking about God, interested in God, wanting to follow God, even drawn to God, when you were in rebellion, when you were neglecting him, out of touch with him, he says, I'm taking initiative out of my love for you. And yes, he chose us, but, and we need to choose him, and that's very clear too. We have a responsibility to respond to that love, to accept that love, to receive that love and, and enter into that relationship. But the initiative comes from him. And there's something to be learned there about friendships because uh, maybe the Holy Spirit is knocking on your day. You know, this relationship, uh, this friendship has kind of uh, been neglected and I need to take some initiative just to bring some life back into that. Might be a family member, might be a friend, might be a colleague. But Jesus' kind of friendship is a friendship that takes initiative. As I thought about that in my own life, uh, one of my dearest friends, I don't get to see him that often, but we all know, especially living in Hawaii, some of our best friends move to the mainland, some of them live on the mainland, we don't get to see them every day, but we have lifelong bonds, okay? I want to show you a picture of a wonderful friend. Uh, his name is Bruce Waltke. 
You may never have heard of the name Bruce Waltke. He actually wrote a commendation on this little book written by some obscure author named Rick Stinton. It's called 40 Days of God's Kingdom. Some of you who have been around the church for a while, this book, I wrote this book out of a small group series we did in our church. This was written out of the, the ministry we did in our church. Bruce Waltke is... Um, without a doubt, he's retired now, so um, he sort of stepped out of the game, but he is the leading evangelical Old Testament scholar in the world. I mean, and he's now in his 90s, he's not teaching anymore, but before he retired, if you asked anybody in theological circles, Bruce Waltke is at the pinnacle of evangelical Old Testament scholarship. He is the most... Um, Bruce is the most brilliant man I literally have ever met. He's also got this huge heart of love for Jesus. Okay? Now, how did I get to be a friend of Bruce Waltke? How would uh, a man of that stature, if you will, write a little combination? And by the way, he wrote, uh, this book that Rick has written is the most important book that's been written in history apart from the Bible. No, he didn't say that. But <laughs> he said some very nice things about the book. Um, so how did this, this wonderful Old Testament scholar uh, become uh, a, a man that I'm privileged to call my friend? Well, it started, I'm 18 years old, and um, I'm at a church in Calgary, Alberta, where my family was. And the pastor of that church knew Bruce and invited Bruce for, catch this, a Bible conference. <laughs> now, uh, Bible conferences, unfortunately, have kind of gone the way of the dinosaur. Nobody does a Bible. But back in the day we would have Bible conferences and we'd bring in someone who was rich in the Word of God and would have Friday night meetings and Saturday meetings and then uh, he would preach on Sunday morning. So that's, I'm 18 years old and I, I see this man with this towering intellect. I mean, towering intellect, but huge heart for Jesus. And let me just tell you the short story about Bruce Waltke. Bruce graduated with a PhD, a doctor degree from Harvard University. You've probably heard of Harvard, Ivy League. Um, in Semitics, Harvard is not a Christian school, but he studied Old Testament languages, Hebrew, Akkadian, other languages. He became an expert in, in, in ancient languages. And the reason he did that was he wanted to teach the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, to equip people for ministry. Bruce is so brilliant, when he graduated in his 20s, maybe uh, close to 30, from Harvard University, Harvard saw his brilliance, they offered him a job. Okay, talk about, you know, success opportunity. Harvard offered to hire him on faculty when he graduated. He turned it down. <laughs> Why? Because he had a heart for Jesus. He wanted to use his gifts, his abilities to train people in the scriptures. And so he went to a school that at the time was just a developing school, kind of like Pack Rim University. You know, um, not known as a major seminary yet. It's a major seminary now, but he basically built the Old Testament faculty, and, and he, he grew in his scholarship, and he published, and, and became uh, well-known uh, at just, so he, he came and he taught at the church I was at, and I, I saw this man, I'm 18 years old, but I'm struck by a man with such a huge intellect, but such a heart for Jesus, and um, so a few years later, fast forward, um, I'm in a young adult, and I was teaching and coaching in Calgary, and I had summers off. And Bruce was then teaching at Regent College. I'd been exposed to him, but he was teaching at Regent College in Vancouver. And I thought, summertime, I could go, I could study the Bible. I had a, an appetite for the Word of God in the morning. I could go to the beach in the afternoon. I mean, Bible and beach, what's better than that as a combination? So I dug out and I had a friend whose brother lived in Vancouver. I had a place to stay two whole weeks. 
I sat under Bruce's teaching. I saw this man with an amazing intellect, but a huge heart of love for Jesus. But he didn't know me, and I didn't know him. Uh, really, I was just a student of countless students. Fast forward a few years later, I'm pastoring in Victoria, British Columbia, which is just a stone's throw away from Vancouver. Um, have to take a ferry to get there. It's not on the mainland. But, and, and Bruce was teaching at, at Regent. And so I called him up. And guess what? Back in those days, we had Bible conferences. Did I tell you about a Bible conference? So I said, Bruce, would you come and do a Bible conference at my church? I had to book him two years out because um, he was much in demand. But he said, yeah, I'll, I'll come to your church. And so uh, when he came to uh, preach at our church, um, Martha and I had developed a little suite in our uh, basement for Martha's mom to live in. Uh, she had passed on to be with the Lord, so it was empty. And I just said, Bruce, when you come to preach uh, this weekend, do the Bible conference, you, whatever you like. If you'd like to stay in a hotel, we'd be happy to pull you up in a hotel. We've got an empty suite in our, in our house. If you want to stay in the suite, you're welcome to do that. It'll be comfortable. He chose to come and live in our home for a weekend. That's where I got more personal. You know, I'd drive him to church drive with them after the church, meals together, and catch this. <laughs> there was a bonding moment. Sunday afternoon, he had preached all weekend, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday morning. He had a, a rest Sunday afternoon before he flew back to Vancouver Sunday night. And I said, Bruce, how can we serve you? What would you like to do? Do you want to go for a drive, see some Victoria? Do you want to take a nap? Do you want to rest? What would you like to do? Bruce, this man of God, says, I'd like to watch some football. <laughs> I said, Football? I mean, what could be better? Um, I love football. So we watched football together. Bruce was a football fan. And uh, through all of that, um, I took initiative, this is the point, to invite Bruce to our home, to our church. He responded. But then um, years later, just uh, these, these last, this last decade, Bruce has been, even though he's retired, he's been teaching at Regent in their summer school. So Martha and I have gone over several years, uh, and, and we have a son living there, so there's a reason to see our family, but then we've ta I've taken courses with Bruce. Uh, I would travel anywhere to take uh, a course from Bruce because of the richness of his intellect and his study of the scriptures, but his heart for Jesus, I'd go anywhere to hear Bruce. So over those uh, times in the summer, guess what? I'd sign up for his class, and I'd send him an email, and I'd say, uh, Bruce, can we take you out for lunch? And he'd say, yes, so, but I took initiative to connect with Bruce. And so when it came to, uh, hey, Bruce, I've, I've written this book. Would you read it and, and maybe have a word of combination? There was a friendship there. And uh, I, what, a friendship I consider, it's, yes, it's a mentorship in so many different ways, but there's a friendship, there's appreciation. And if I, he's retired now, not teaching anymore, but if I had reason to be at that city, I'd want to just uh, call him up and say, can we have coffee together? Can I take you out for lunch? Um, He's a wonderful man. I have been enriched by that friendship in countless ways. But here's the point. I took initiative for it. It didn't happen by accident. And so for some of us, we need to say, okay, Lord, who is that person that I need to take initiative with? Jesus took initiative with you and with me. All right, number four. Jesus takes initiative in friendships. Number four, Jesus confides with his friends. Did you notice what he says? Everything that I have learned from the Father, I have made known to you. He revealed himself. He came. He did miracles. He did teaching. All the secrets of heaven, if you will. He shared. He confided with his friends. And he still does through his word. And that's what friends do. They share their inner lives together. And um, as I thought about it just recently, um, 
we had a friend, in fact, it was when Julin was here, a mutual friend of, of, of hers had, came over for dinner to uh, see Julin, and, and uh, we had dinner together, and he's a friend of the families, and uh, we ended up talking. I didn't plan on it, but I ended up sharing with him some things that are just, you know, very personal for us. And uh, that's what you do with your friends. You confide in them. You have trust in them. You share your lives with them. And um, it's stuff that I wouldn't tell the uh, bank teller or I wouldn't tell the stock person at, at Safeway. Um, those are quote unquote servants, right? You don't have a friendship with them. But what friends do is they share their lives. They confide with each other. And yes, it's based on trust, but um, there are some people in your life that God wants to say, um, how are, how's that friendship going? Are you uh, sharing your life with them? Are you confiding with them? Are you trusting with them? Number five, oh, so do I take the risk of openness? Do you take the risk? There is a risk in being open with people, and some of us have been burned when you're open with the wrong people, uh, but uh, that shouldn't turn us off from, from genuine, meaningful friendships where you share our lives and you confide in one another. Uh, and again, uh, I skipped over this, but initiatives. Do I initiate friendship, or do I wait for others to reach out to me? Sometimes you can find yourself waiting for other people to take the initiative when you can be taking the initiative. All right, the next one is Jesus' friendship transforms me. This is the whole idea of producing fruit. Jesus says, I'm the life giver, and I will change your life. I will bring life into you as a branch, and I will change your life. I will bring fruitfulness, and fruitfulness is blessing. And yes, you think of the fruit of the Spirit naturally. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all the things that make for beautiful relationships. But he will change your life as he's changing all of our lives. And he will bring life change into our lives. And so we need to ask ourselves in our friendships, am I bringing life, am I helping other people change in productive ways? Am I helping them experience their God-given potential? Am I seeing some gifts and saying, uh, what can we do to support you in that so that you can grow to be the man, the woman that God has called you to be? How do we bring that kind of life change into our relationships together? Because Jesus is ultimately interested in, in changing our lives. And yes, I uh, couldn't help but think of an event that happened several years ago, but when I went, went through a very painful time, a very difficult time, where uh, God just brought a very special friend into my life during that season. And sometimes he'll bring a life a person just, you know, for a certain period of time. And what he kept saying to me, he listened to me, he heard my pain, he understood what I was going through, and he just kept saying this. He kept saying, Rick, guard your heart. Guard your heart. And it was a, it was a word from God. It was a word through the Holy Spirit from my friend to me saying, just guard your heart. Don't let the pain that you've gone through, the injustice that you're feeling, don't let that poison and ruin your heart because just as a person, it will ruin you, let alone as a pastor, it will ruin you. Guard your heart. And uh, a dear friend uh, helped me grow through that very painful experience just by being a friend, just by speaking to me. One uh, final one, and that's this. Um, so how, how are you helping your friends meet their God-given potential? Maybe you need to speak into their lives uh, a word of encouragement, a word of support, whatever that is. Um, uh, last one, the heart of Jesus' friendship, and this is really central to the whole thing, is self-giving love. Uh, a love that gives your life away to other people. Jesus did that perfectly, supremely. He came and he gave his life away in everything he did. And uh, he said, no greater love is there than this uh, to my friends, that a person laid down their life for their friends. And Jesus did that literally and uh, physically and, and um, 
um, in every way. And uh, we may not need to die for our friends literally, but we can give our lives away. We can make self-sacrificing, self-giving decisions that help other people and, and help our, our friendships. And so the question is, do you use people? And all of us are capable of doing that. We want a friend for the wrong reason. We want a friend out of what we can get out of it, uh, out of uh, benefit to us, or do we find ways to give our lives away to others? And Jesus said, when you give your life away, guess what? You find it. <laughs> it's in giving away and serving others that you find this richness and this reward in relationships. We're going to finish this morning with uh, uh, a, an illustration, a video testimony of two amazing ladies in our church family um, who are going to share their story about how relationships and, yes, friendships brought life to them Jesus' life and life change to them, and also at a crucial time in this last year, uh, year and a half, how um, Jesus' love flowed into their lives through friendships, through relationships. They really are uh, two brilliant um, illustrations of these uh, operating truths of the Holy Spirit, Jesus being the vine, he's the life giver, but how he brings life into our relationships. You know them, it's Miley and Nita, but take a look as they share their story. Hi, I'm Anita. And my name is Miley. So we were born and raised here on the island of Oahu, and we were raised in a all Tongan speaking, family only church. Um, our grandparents came from Tonga and decided to have our family attend church, but it was everything was in Tongan. We were singing songs all in Tongan, reading from the Bible, all of our sermons were in Tongan. So as being raised here, it was pretty difficult for us to, um, you know, understand the Bible or even connect with the pastors, which were our grandfather and other family members. Um, so that also led us to, you know, want to learn as we grew up, we wanted to learn who God was on our own. We believed our faith was shown in our attendance. So every Sunday, um, being in church, we felt that that is our connection with God. But when we took our own action to find a genuine faith, um, that really just opened the doors. Um, it opened the doors to us coming here in New Hope Kailua. And um, just being in the church, the atmosphere of God's presence is so, so evident that it really did, I feel, like shift our hearts, right? Absolutely. And in that, let us to really look at our lives, examine, are we really living with the heart of Jesus? Is Jesus the king of our hearts? And do we announce him as our savior? And that was definitely such a stretching period, but that really opened our eyes to what can we do after being baptized together with our family. We got involved small groups and other events we got to know people um, that are not our family members that really is our brothers and sisters in Christ and through there that's what really helped us to just live with the the true heart of loving God and loving people being plugged in really was what just shot our walk with God you know it really helped us to really have that one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and getting to know him genuinely for ourselves. It really did change the trajectory of our family's lives, really. Last year was a difficult year for us. Um, 
it was our first time that we were separated from family. We had our sister who um, would partner up with us in serving the church. Her and her family had to move to the mainland, and that was very difficult um, back in August. And on top of that, um, during the season of COVID, we actually lost our father all of a sudden. And it was so difficult because through this time and that season, I personally felt um, just lost in a way um, because it was something that we never expected and, and not really having our family, like our sister around, um, was very difficult. Yeah, it definitely was one of the most darkest times of our lives, but really it put, it, it put our teachings, our understanding of the hope that God gives us to action. And so we did lose our dad, but at the same time, it built our relationships with not only our siblings, but with the church as well, um, even stronger. And during the COVID season, there were so many limitations of um, and restrictions of things. And so we really didn't have much support. It was really um, a blessing. Uh, to have a couple of our church ohana help us uh, come alongside us in our preparation for our dad. Right, and because we were born and raised um, in the traditional ways, we weren't able to do too many of our custom traditions, but thankfully with lots of prayer and help from the relationships that we have in the church, they were the ones to come alongside us and still be able to have our traditions being done and having it out to where family all over the world were able to plug in and be able to see um, these traditions being um, brought forth. Yeah, and I think um, through that, it really did show us that uh, Jesus orchestrated everything from like mentioning growing up in a church where it's just all blood family, that we really felt the love of our church Ohana um, in praying for us, in providing their gifts and talents, um, and just really being that support uh, that we were just blessed to have. So we're just so grateful um, for New Hope Kailua and all those that are here. They really are our um, brothers and sisters in Christ and definitely, um, of God all things are um, possible and and it's just it really was such a joy to be a part of this church just again a beautiful illustration of how God uh, blesses and what a blessing Miley and Nita are to all of us, uh, dear sisters, uh, wonderful friends. But let's stand together and recognize that Jesus is the life giver and uh, he wants to bring his life into our friendships in every way. And again, uh, would just encourage you to have an open spirit as, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, maybe a particular relationship where uh, you need some resurrecting of, um, of his life in that relationship. Uh, I believe we're all in that category. I certainly am. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are indeed, as we've read this morning, you're the life giver, you're the vine. And Lord, as we connect with you and receive your love and share your love, I pray 
that by your Holy Spirit, you would resurrect those relationships, bring that deeper level of shalom, of well-being, of wholeness, of goodness, of blessing into every one of our friendships, into our marriages, into our families, into our work relationships. And so, Lord, may your light flow through us and may we experience those deep, connected bonds full of joy, full of life, um, full of sharing blessing with others in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church family. We pray continually that you would build and uh, regather coming out of this COVID season. Thank you that you are the author of relationships, that you have uh, such beautiful things for us to enjoy in relationships. We love you. We serve you this day in Jesus' name. The Lord's people said, amen. Go in his blessing. Have a wonderful week. Aloha, church family. Thank you so much for joining with us in worship this morning. We truly hope that you were refreshed and, and strengthened in your faith during these crazy pandemic days. We want, invite you to look at all of our messages. They're available on our YouTube channel. We'd also invite you to download our church app. It's just a great way for us to keep in touch, to communicate, also for you to receive materials. So uh, take advantage of downloading that church app. We would invite you to partner with us as we continue serving God faithfully during these days. And you can give online, you can give on our website, uh, or mail a check into our street address. We really appreciate your support with that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you peace. We love you. Aloha.